Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I am really delighted to have with me Jerome Braggs. We are going to be discussing how to love yourself wholly. Let me tell you a little bit about Jerome. Jerome Braggs is a highly gifted intuitive healer, channel, and self-love coach. In 2005, Jerome was diagnosed with AIDS and kidney failure and then given 48 hours to live. On his deathbed, Jerome had a near-death experience in which he was told directly by source that the key to true healing and well-being is to love yourself wholly. That experience catalyzed a multi-year mystical journey in which he learned how to truly heal himself and create a deep, well, and delicious life through the practice of wholly loving himself. Today, Jerome uses his intuitive gifts and the sacred wisdom he gained through his journey to teach spiritual seekers around the world how to heal themselves from whatever ails them and create deeply thriving and delicious lives through the miraculous practice of self-love. Welcome to the show, Jerome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored and, and excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here too. And I want to, before we launch in, you know, I always, I love to ask everyone what their superpowers are. Um, and I just wanted to give a little a caveat to our listeners. Jerome came to me because I had originally put a shout out. I realized, you know, I've been doing this show for a long time and I didn't really feel like I, I was accurately representing um, anyone in the gay community, like I didn't, I didn't have enough of those voices on this show, and I, I really am wanting to provide a, a plethora and a variety of voices. And um, so I put the call out, and someone uh, connected me with Jerome, and and I was I was feeling into it today, and and really like, you know, Jerome, I was feeling into him, and and just how how much he's caring, and what it, what a beautiful soul he is, and and how to to really like make this conversation only about um like a gay experience felt um felt like not honoring of everything that jerome is carrying and felt like it was perpetuating sort of a separation of like gay is different and needs to be discussed in this separate little box over here um instead of just like here's this beautiful human who has all of this wisdom to share who also happens to be gay and like let's come together from this heart space and have a, a glorious conversation from there um, and, and that, I, I just wanted to share that with the listeners. So, cause that felt important. That came up when, when he and I were, were connecting right before we hit record. And so I'm really excited for this exchange. I'm really excited for you, our listeners to get to, to hear Jerome and the, the wisdom that he's carrying today. I think it's such a beautiful gift that he is here with us. Um, so, so now Jerome, I get to ask you this super fun question. Um, <laughs> What are your superpowers? Um, I'd say, I'd, as you were just saying that before I, I was thinking about it, I think I have, I would say I have three. Uh, one is that I read energy. I read the vibration mm-hmm. of people. I can see it. I can feel it. Uh, I can know from that vibration kind of um, what the beliefs are that they're holding, what they're creating for themselves, and where they may be in the way of themselves from creating what they really want. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I'd say is silliness. <laughs> I mean, I am silly. I love to have fun. I think it's a superpower because I enjoy the hell out of my life because of it. <laughs> yeah, and, I would agree. That is totally a superpower. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, and the last one I would say is um, my ability to, it's kind of joint, my ability to guide people and also to know the way of loving yourself into whatever you want. Uh, in a way, I think I, I, I call myself really a Sherpa in that way, a well-being Sherpa, mm. um, because I know whatever experience of well-being you really want, the way to it is to love yourself fully, wholly, more. Um, and I know the way to do that. I have, my journey has really given me the guidance of how to do that well. So. I'd say those are my superpowers. Beautiful. I love that image of, of you as the, the Sherpa because I think truly it is, a, 
it is a guiding process. It's not, no one can do that work for you. Mm -hmm. You know, the Sherpa is the guide, but the person has to actually walk up the mountain. Yes, indeed. And, and so I, I love that image. That's really, really beautiful. Um, so we have about like three or four minutes before we have to go to break. And I really want, you have such a, um, a powerful story and I'm wondering if you have like a three minute version of it that you can, that you can share with our audience. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, uh, I'll condense it down as, as much as possible. Um, so what I'd like to say is the being that I am today, the journey into that really began on uh, January 1st of 2004 on New Year's Day. And I had checked into the hospital with what I thought was the flu. And I thought I was just going in there to get some medicine so I can go back to work. And uh, got uh, ended up instead being diagnosed with kidney failure, pneumonia, pancreatitis, anemia, a fluid-packed lung, 20 pounds of fluid, um, extra fluid on my body, a parasite in my stomach. And if all of that wasn't delicious enough already, um, also diagnosed with AIDS. Uh, and then given seven days to live, the doctor said they thought I had about seven days to live, that everything had progressed to a point that they didn't think I was going to, they were going to be able to help me. Um, and on my deathbed, I kind of, uh, kind of had what's, what's, what's called a life review where I looked back over my life and how I had lived it and came to the awareness that although I wasn't afraid of death at that time, I, I really believed <clears throat> at that moment that I was a spiritual being and that death wasn't an end for me. It was just going to be another transition for me. Um, even, you know, I was 24 years old um, and had been on a kind of spiritual journey for a few years. But I realized in that kind of uh, life review that I was getting ready to die, not having really fully lived. And not just because I was 24, but I hadn't been happy with my life. Mm -hmm. I hadn't really been authentically myself. I hadn't really felt good about myself. I hadn't really shared my heart uh, or really how I felt um, with the people I most cared about. And actually, I didn't know how to express my feelings, period. And um, I also had a feeling like I wasn't going to be leaving this world having deposited into the world what I came here for. It was a very strong feeling, even though I didn't know exactly what that was. I did have a very strong feeling that I was going to, if I transitioned, I was going to be transitioning incomplete. Mm. And um, so I made a decision <clears throat> that I wasn't, I didn't want to die like that. And I wasn't going to die. I wanted to die being complete. And so I began to throw everything I knew about the law of attraction at my situation at the time. You know, if, if we could create our realities, then it must be true for me. And it must be true for me to be able to create a miracle. Um, and within three months time, I had created a miracle for myself. I was fully healed. There was, my kidneys were back fully functioning. Um, there was no HIV or AIDS in my system anywhere. Wow. Um, my body was healed of all the other illnesses that I was going through. Um, and I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had it figured out about how the law of attraction works. I thought I had it figured out about all the other stuff until um, I found myself back in that same hospital a year and a half later with the exact same diagnosis to the T-cell count. I mean, every illness oh. was back and even the same T-cell count was the same. And I knew this time that um, if, if I was back in this, in this situation, it was a message um, that my soul was trying to get me to pay very hard, very hard attention to. And I was trying very hard not to pay attention to it. Wow. Okay. Hold so, on. Hold on. Yeah. I'm going to, I have to pause you because we have to go to the break yeah. and I think it's perfect because it's a cliffhanger. So people, <laughs> <laughs> people are going to have to stay tuned to hear how this story ends. Um, before we go to the break, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you? Yeah, I'm all over social media and, and the internet. My website is uh, jeromebrags.com. So that's my name.com. My Facebook page is facebook.com slash coach Jerome Braggs. Instagram, Jerome underscore Braggs. Um, I'm all over that. It's me and it's only me. So if you reach out there, uh, you'll be able to connect with me. Beautiful. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Jerome Braggs about how to love yourself wholly. And I know you want to hear what happens next. So stay tuned. <laughs> 
Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, we're back. All right, so you've been through all this self-healing process and then you find yourself back in the hospital with exactly the same like that's amazing like, to the T cell count, exactly the same situation mm-hmm. after having healed yourself from all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just had the, the, the knowing at that point that this wasn't just about me um, asking myself this, you know, going back over my life again, it was really something deeper that I was being called to understand and to know and I ask um, what that was. And so I asked my soul on my deathbed this time, because this time, instead of uh, seven days to live, I have 48 hours. They give mm-hmm. me 48 hours. And so when they left the room uh, and I had called my parents, they had called my parents and told them to come kind of on a red eye flight. Um, when I was in the, be- in, in, in the room by myself, uh, instead of reviewing my life this time, I really just, I asked my soul to speak to me. I wanted to know what this was about. And I wanted to know specifically how um, not just to survive anymore, because surviving apparently got me back in the hospital. Um, I wanted to know what it really took to heal and what it really took to be and live well. Basically, um, at the time, I didn't have that word, but really, I wanted to know what it took f- to experience well-being, mm-hmm. like true well-being. And uh, that's when I had... Um, what I call a nearly dead experience because I didn't actually die, at least not that I remember. Um, but it was very similar to what people who've had near death experiences experienced. Uh, mm. i I saw the light. I felt the oneness of everything. I felt an indescribable, uh, energy of love. And, um, I began to have a conversation with source, uh, and what I now really, really realized was my higher self. Uh, and in that conversation, basically what I was told was that I know a lot about how to force and push and struggle my way and in, in, into making things happen, into making, you know, good things happen. But I didn't know shit about, and it said shit. I didn't know okay. shit, anything Listen. about that, um, about, how to, about how to let life be good to me. And that life really wanted to be good to me at every turn. Mm. And that the way to allowing that to be my experience, allowing myself to be well, allowing myself to live well, was to love myself. The loving ourselves was the key to healing anything and to experiencing well-being no matter who we are, no matter where we are. And then after I had that conversation, that that was kind of the basic conversation, uh, the basic topic of the conversation. After that, um, I kind of came out of that experience and had the kind of awareness, okay, I've been given this big aha moment. What am I going to do? And I knew that either I was going to take the journey into loving myself or I was going to transition. But I was also very scared because I didn't know anything about that. Um, like most people, my idea of loving myself was like, you know, if I saw something cute at the mall, then I buy it or, um, telling myself that I felt, you know, telling people I felt good about myself when really I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of that. So, and I, and I knew that I was going to have to journey deep into this. And there was kind of two knowings that came out of that kind of just that were literally in myself. I felt it in myself. One, that this was going to be a deep journey. Uh, deeper than anything that I had experienced. And so this wasn't going to be quick. It was going to be deep. Um, And that once I got it, I was going to get it. And the other part was that I was going to be called to teach what I learned. Mm -hmm. And 
that part scared me too, because at the time I wanted to be famous. <laughs> I wanted to be the next Beyonce or um, I wanted to be a singer and an actor. So I wanted my Oscars and I wanted my Grammys and mm-hmm. I wanted all of that. Um, and, but that began the journey. Um, that began a, a multi-year journey where um, I had many different experiences and mystical experiences and painful experiences that really taught me what loving yourself really is and what it's not. And mm-hmm. When I began to really embody what it actually is, uh, my body began to heal again, but not just my body, but my entire life transformed into something unrecognizable to who I used to be and into something that is deeply delicious and um, very exponentially thriving. Mm, And so that's kind of where I am now. I love it. Um, So I have a number of questions for you. (laughs) Um, The first one, this is an interview after all. I do get to ask you questions. <laughs> <laughs> the first one being like through through all of this journeying and experience, what would you say in your understanding is like one of or like the top three obstacles to loving ourselves wholly? Mm. I would say the top obstacle is unhealed trauma. Mm. Um, and trauma meaning this is kind of what I learned in my journey. So it's not how we kind of define it. Um, especially in the West, we define trauma as an event that happened to you, some horrific or tragic event that happened to you. Um, but how the soul sees it is very different. Um, the event, although it may have been horrific or tragic is not what causes, is not the trauma itself. It's the, it's the traumatizing effect being it's what may have caused you to have the trauma but the trauma is literally uh based upon what the original uh root word of trauma which is a greek word is which means wound so uh the only wound that we have is a disconnection from our truth the truth of ourselves and the disconnection from our natural energy Mm. like how our soul naturally feels the frequency of it. Mm -hmm. And that may come through a very horrific or tragic event, or it may come through something that may look very small. You know, even the most loving of parents and in the most loving of homes, people experience some type of trauma if they did not get um, the type of affirmation that they needed to believe that they're worthy or or that there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, if there was something that happened that it made them feel that they weren't wholly safe, mm-hmm. if there was something that happened that made them feel like their needs would not be met, uh, especially if it wouldn't be easy to meet their needs, that somehow they need to rearrange themselves somehow for their needs to be met. then that's kind of what trauma, uh, that's what trauma is. It's a disconnection from the truth of your soul, which knows there's nothing wrong with you and you are holy enough and worthy as is. Mm-hmm. It knows that you're safe and especially that this world is a safe place to be all of yourself within. Mm-hmm. And it knows that your needs will be met and it'll be easy to meet them. Um, and so that when you have unhealed trauma within you, when you have a belief in you anywhere, then you also have a vibration that correlates with that. So Mm -hmm. what vibration basically translates to is this emotional feeling. It's an emotional uh, kind of mood that you carry. And your mood, your emotional vibration is what literally determines what gets attracted to your life and what gets manifested as your life and the health state of your body. Mm -hmm. So healing your trauma um, if you don't have, if you have some type of unhealed trauma, if you believe there's something wrong with you, if you feel unsafe some type of way, if you feel uh, like your needs aren't going to be met, then that keeps you from experiencing the vibration of love, which is really what loving yourself actually is. Loving yourself is letting more of the vibration of love through your being. It is the practice of that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, love, I love how you put that. Yeah, it's, it's, that's really what it is. Now there are, you know, uh, four kind of principles that uh, that go with that, but the real truth, the really simple truth of loving yourself is it is the practice um, of letting the vibration of love flow through your being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so huge. I mean, you mentioned something earlier about how you know you thought that loving yourself was either buying something cute at the mall or. Um, or saying that you felt like things were good even when they weren't. Yeah. Um, and I 
that really stood out for me because I think that especially in in our current culture with Instagram and and just social media and the and the the image based like showing up like life is grand that's how we get along thing um like that is so pervasive right now mhm yeah it's you know one thing I really learned in my journey because I was I was you know a propon- I was this so I'm, I'm speaking about my own behaviors and personality characteristics of that I had to c- kind of shine a light on and transform. But um, a lot of times, what we in our culture we talk about self care mm-hmm. uh, and we and we equate self care to self love and self care can be a proponent a, a part of it of self love. But what I've often found is a lot of the self-care we're doing is not coming from uh, love. It's not loving ourselves. It's actually damage control. Mm. Say more about that. Yeah. So um, if I'm getting a massage or I'm drinking green juice or I'm doing something like that, but I'm living a life that I don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting a massage because I have worked myself to the bone for two weeks and I've depleted myself of my life force energy, that's not loving myself. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting a massage because I am limping to the barn and I don't have any internal resources to feel good at all, especially healthy, that's not loving myself. Mm -hmm. That's me trying to control the damage. And then I'll go right back into that same pattern after I get the massage or after I drink the green juice or whatever. So loving myself actually is not allowing myself to get to that point living a way that I'm not depleted. And I'm not, not saying that there won't be things that happen where you may exert more energy in your, in your life than you're used to, but that you don't live a life that drains and depletes you to where you have to limp to the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that you are doing work that you love, that your relationships nourish you and that you're, you're, you have boundaries. Um, it's loving yourself is not, and this is another aspect of loving myself, um, loving ourselves that, I think we're really confused around is the part of feeling good about yourself is one of the core principles of loving yourself, but it is a one of them. It is not all of it. And I think we stop uh, in our understanding of of self-love with thinking that it is just acceptance, affection, and appreciation. And that is affection, acceptance, and appreciation for the self is one of the, it's one of the, it's one of them but it's not all of them. And so when that's the, that's the only thing you can accept and appreciate and, and uh, practice, you know, compassion and affection for yourself. But if you're not also, uh, you know, setting healthy boundaries and speaking mm-hmm. up for yourself, if you're not trusting in yourself, if you're not taking care of your life force energy, then you're not going to, um, your experience of love is still going to be conditional and it's going to be incomplete. And you can still, you know, you have to love yourself like your life depends on it because it actually does. It's what makes your life work well and is what keeps your body healthy. And if all you do is focus on affection as the principle of love, uh, then you're going to be missing out. Yeah, totally. And so let's let's talk about some because you know you mentioned setting boundaries, like as a as a form of loving yourself, and as a path to that. Like that is not always an uncomfortable process. More often than not, that that is that is mm-hmm. a that is an uncomfortable process, mm-hmm. right? Especially <laughs> when when you're when you're at the beginning of learning how to do that well. Yeah. I am, I am so glad you said that because I, one of the things that I, when I talk about love, especially when I talk about with my clients or if I'm speaking somewhere, I make sure that I communicate this very well, that loving yourself is not always a comfortable process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always unicorns and glitter <laughs> and cupcakes and gummy bears and chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... The process of loving yourself, especially in the beginning, is going to be uncomfortable because it is going to require you to do things that, again, you don't, you know, loving yourself, you come into loving yourself when you haven't, right? When you haven't. So when you have patterns that have kept you from feeling that energy often. And so it's going to require you to go against your conditioning 
It may require you to have uh, uncomfortable conversations with the people in your life. It may require you to release some people in your life or release some situations you have. So loving yourself is not always a comfortable process, but the result of it always feels good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The result of loving yourself, like the outcome of the practice of loving yourself always feels good. The practice during it, like the process of it may not be comfortable. It's not comfortable to, you know, some tell your parents, you know, set a boundary with your parents and say, hey, I can't speak to you like this, or you can't keep asking me to do things. Um, I have these other priorities going on. It may not be comfortable to have a conversation with a friend to say, I love you, but our energy exchange no longer serves me. And I think we, and I may not be serving you either. And I think we probably need to go another way. Mm-hmm. It may not be comfortable to realize you have built this whole life up. You may have this grand house with, you know, it may be a, you, it may be a million dollar house and you've got all these, you know, accolades and you've got all that, but you know, your heart wants you to sell everything and move somewhere. It may not be comfortable to deal with people's opinions around what you're doing or uh, to, to, to go through that process of letting things go so that you can live how you really want to live. That may not be comfortable to do those things, to take those actions, but it is definitely part of loving yourself. And again, the outcome of that. You know, once you release the house and you go live where you really, really wanted to live, even if it's a smaller home, you feel free. Mm-hmm. You feel happy. You feel more worthy, which are all probably aspects of, they're all aspects of the energy of love. But that's, you know, the, the, the conversation we have um, in the dominant culture around what love is and what self-love is, is really lacking. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we think that the practice of it is always sunshine because mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense if you're, if part of that, if, if what you're identifying as the number one obstacle to loving ourselves is this, and I love how you how you um, how you define trauma, right, as this disconnection from our source. To to wake up to that disconnection is going to be an uncomfortable process. Like when you wake up and your neck is tweaked, it's like, oh, I was out of alignment, right? I was like sleeping in a really funky position, and now I'm in pain, and and the pain is a signal, right? And I, and I think that just like we've just been talking about, like to, to wake up to the places where we've been living out of an alignment means to acknowledge some, some pain. Yeah, you acknowledge it. And you also um, have to change and stop the behaviors that you developed from the pain. Yeah. Right? So, so like when, in your journey, like what was... What, after this second round, right? Like what were some of the things that were like the clearest from go that you needed to shift? Um, So the clearest that I needed to shift uh, were shame and fear. So I'll I'll go into depth about this, but this is kind of the Mm -hmm. umbrella. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shame, fear, and suppression. Mm. So shame I had, uh, and this is an, uh, for, for those that are listening about illness, your illnesses are always going to be a higher reflection of the internal vibration you're holding. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know kind of what energy led you to the manifestation of the illness, really look at how the illness makes you feel and then kind of go back into how long have you been feeling that. So HIV and AIDS for me was, made me feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like something was wrong with my body and that I was not going to be, a, and that wasn't attractive. I had been feeling like that probably the majority of my life, mm-hmm. um, probably since uh, maybe five years old, maybe before that. I was teased. Um, so the shame part of me was that I always felt like my body was unattractive because I was always bigger mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, and so I was made to feel like my body was unlovable as it was. And that there was something wrong with me. Um, and then there was also <clears throat> the shame around my sexuality, you know, being same gender loving, growing up in the Midwest of the United States, mm-hmm. I did not have um, uh, affectionate or accepting or affirming experience of that. I, I grew up feeling like that was something to hide. It was something wrong with me and I need to hide it. I need to suppress that. 
So <clears throat> that's where the suppression came in. I suppressed many aspects of myself for feeling that if I expressed who I really was, not just my sexuality, but also my spirituality or anything else uh, about me that did not fit into the social norms, that um, I was going to be, people were going to withhold and withdraw their love from me and I was going to be abandoned and rejected. Um, and the other part of that was fear. And mostly it was the fear of being myself in the world. Because again, I was very afraid that if I was ever my true self, all of myself, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. I, didn't, I wouldn't be loved. I wouldn't belong. I wouldn't have community. So those three things really were, became the focus. The first thing was shame, though. You know, the first thing was really dealing with how I felt about myself and how I viewed myself, especially how I viewed my body. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how did you shift your relationship to shame? Yeah. So when you have, so <clears throat> there is love and then there's the resistance to love. That's really all that's going on. Mm -hmm. There's only, only two things. There's love and there's resistance to love. It's kind of like the sun and shadows the light and shadow. So there's no source of shadow. It's literally just like, there's nothing that, no switch you can turn on that says, you know, here's the darkness. It's more so like you put something in front of the light, mm -hmm. right? And if you remove that thing from the from that's out of the light, all you'll have is light. So how I began to approach shame was, again, by turning the love on, by removing what was resisting the love from experience. And so, Instead of, <clears throat> I want this one more time to really get this, to really hone this in. So it's really like um, if you are in a room and the room is, the light is turned off um, and you, you want it to be light in the room, you don't fight the dark. You right. don't begin to put things, you know, put armor on and begin to fight the darkness. What you really do to bring more light in is you turn the light on. Mm -hmm. So how I began to fight shame, understanding that shame is just a resistance to love. Shame is the resistance to appreciation and acceptance of myself. It is feeling like there is something wrong with me. So mm -hmm. how I began to combat shame was really doing more appreciation of myself and more acceptance of myself than I did judging and rejecting myself. Mm -hmm. So I used to keep a journal. Um, and I actually still keep a journal, so that's not something I just did and, and stopped. But um, I, I started with keeping a journal where I would literally write down every day 20 things I loved about my body. Mm. Um, and I would try to do 20 different things. And sometimes it was five different things, you know, but, but I would try to do 20 different things a day. Um, and whenever I began to find myself uh, beginning to judge my body or... Um, uh, really feel bad about my body, I would stop in the midst of that. I would stop the train of that conversation, that internal self-talk and internal dialogue, and I would make a list again right there. Even if I was in the middle of a movie or in the middle of walking the street, I would literally stop and make a list again of maybe 10 things that I love about myself. I would stop the... All it is is, is the reason why we have shame is because we keep feeding it. Mm -hmm. So I stopped feeding the shame and I fed the love instead. I would write, I am enough, all on my mirrors, every mirror that I had in my house. And every time I walk past the mirror, I would look uh, at, the, at the statement and I would tell myself in my eyes that I'm enough. Uh, for a few years, I actually stopped looking in the mirror because um, this is something that happens when you have unhealed trauma. You don't actually see the truth of your being. Yes. You see the judgment of your being. That's yeah. all you can actually see. And so one of the things that helped me shift that was I stopped looking in the mirror because I had this experience where <laughs> um, I was looking for a picture. It was on Father's Day, as a matter of fact. I was looking for a picture of me and my father. It's one of my favorite pictures that we've taken together. And I was going through this old album of mine to try and find it because it was an older picture. And as I was going through this album, I saw these pictures of me when I was in college. And in college was probably the time where I felt the most unattractive mm. and I was going looking through and there was all these pictures of me in college and I was like I had this very surreal moment where I was literally dumbfounded so as I was looking at these pictures I saw 
how absolutely stunningly beautiful I was then. Mm -hmm. Like absolutely stunningly beautiful and a great body, muscular. And I thought I was just obese. And and I just saw how actually I was just really damn sexy. And I had (laughs) never seen that before. And I had never felt it. And I've looked at those pictures hundreds of times Mm -hmm. since that time frame. And that really taught me at that moment. I was like, wow, I never really saw myself. And I wonder how I'm not seeing myself today. Mm-hmm. And so instead of really looking at my eyes to be the judgment of my beauty, I wanted to shift it into just feeling good about myself. And so that's why I didn't look in the mirror. I said, I'm, not, I'm going to take my eyes out of the picture because I'm not seeing what's actually there right now. And I'm just going to feel it. So I didn't look at a mirror or in a mirror or anything like that for two years. And I just really began to feel sexy, to feel attractive, um, and to think that I was attractive and to affirm and appreciate myself and to have an inner dialogue that really made me feel like my body was lovable and it was enough and it was worthy just as it was. And then when I began to look at a mirror again, two years later, that's all I saw. Because I had changed, again, the, the mind, the brain, and the eyes are connected. And the, it's, they're only letting, reflecting back to you what you believe. Yeah. And yeah. once I changed that, I saw something different. I mean, that is, that is so huge, I think, for, especially like I talked about with social media. I mean, we're so image-focused right now mm-hmm. as a culture, you know. And mm-hmm. to, I mean, the, the power, I, I mean, actually, one of my first questions is like logistical like how did you avoid mirrors for two years because it seems like they're everywhere you know they are everywhere (laughs) and i would just literally i would ever my eyes and i was walking up to one or i would look down Mm -hmm. right the hardest part was when i was in the gym (laughs) 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 they were everywhere and i literally would just either close my eyes or i would look at the floor um and i'm sure people thought i was very strange (laughs) who were seeing me but this is what i knew i had to change my inner dialogue and I knew I could not do it if I kept getting affirmations visually uh, for what I was thinking mentally. Yeah. 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 No, it's so powerful. I love it. I love it. Um, So you mentioned earlier in the conversation that really loving yourself is allowing the vibration of love Mm -hmm. into your body through your experience. Right. Yeah. What are some of your favorite ways to allow that vibration of love through? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so let's, uh, that really goes into kind of the four cardinal principles of self-love. All right. That's that I, found that I found that I kind of had not really heard many other people talk about, but the first one is to feel good about myself as is. So that's accepting and appreciating myself. Uh, doing the work to do that, to, you know, um, and I kind of gave you a a little list about how I do that. So Mm -hmm. uh, appreciation journal, which is a little different than a gratitude journal. The appreciation journal really just looks at what is working really well with me as I am, uh, with my life, with my body. What do I love about me? What do I celebrate about me? Instead of necessarily what I'm grateful for, because a lot of times gratitude can have the energy of something that we weren't grateful for before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Or some like, like I should feel grateful that I have a house. Right. I should feel okay. grateful that I have a house because I remember when I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Right? So it has that kind of, but appreciation is like literally pure positive energy about mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's the difference between like if you have a pet, instead of saying, what are you grateful for about your pet? Try instead, like, what do you love about your pet? Mm-hmm. and see the energy difference. It's very mm-hmm. different. You can feel it. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, that, and then the other, the second part of it is to trust yourself. Um, so the, feeling good about yourself helps you feel worthy, which is a piece of love, the, vibra- the vibration of love. So love is a multifaceted vibration. There are many different kind of emotional feelings. It's not just one type of thing. It's, it's a conglomerate of them. Mm-hmm. So worthiness is an aspect of love. Feeling good about yourself helps you feel worthy. Trusting yourself, um, trusting your your higher self, listening to your inner guidance, and trusting that life is on your side, and literally let being guided and surrendering yourself to 
um, the guidance of your higher self helps you feel safe uh, and safety. And it helps you feel safe and it helps you feel like you're being held. You're fully being supported and held by life itself. Um, and that helps you. Safety is another feeling safe is a part of being uh, the love vibration. Now, I want to pause you for a second because I want to yeah. hear all the four, but like, what do you say to someone for whom like trusting yourself is a, that's a, that's hard. Like what, yeah. like, you know, that's not that it's, it's easy to say. And, and for some people they've, they've, spent like i know i've worked on this with some of my clients and and in my own life experience too of like the places where i have not given myself reason to trust myself yeah 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 um again it's kind of trust as a muscle just like mm -hmm. a muscle mm -hmm. just like the muscle in your arm you have to work it out in the gym <laughs> you have to go right you have to do it frequently you don't just do it once and then you have a rock and bicep tomorrow right? right you have to do it uh frequently so what i say to people that trusting is one you've got to do uh because the first thing that happens is we're not really taught in any of our systems or any of our institutions or anywhere really in our society on a on a frequent enough basis how to really hear ourselves mm -hmm. how to really listen to and hear the voice of our higher self because the mm -hmm. higher self is literally what we would call god it's literally source and it has infinite wisdom. And so the first thing to do is to do the things that will help you heal yourself. So spend more time in nature. Um, the, your voice, the higher self's voice, it doesn't just necessarily speak when you're quiet, but you hear it more clearly when you have, when you take in all the external kind of noise. Uh, Cause it's the voice of the infinite. And I had a teacher once that said that the uh, eternity is silent and quiet and um, the finite world is very noisy. Mm -hmm. So in order to hear that part of you, you got to pull back from the mm -hmm. noise a bit. You know, meditation is one, spending time in nature is one, um, not always reaching out so much for so much ex external advice. Mm -hmm. um, and so that you have so much, you know, external voices in your head and you can't hear your own. Um, and then write down, like keep a journal. I'm a very big proponent of keeping journals. So write down the guidance that you're getting, like ask your higher self about something that you want guidance for. Go for a walk in nature for an hour, go meditate for 15 minutes and then write down what you hear or what you feel and then follow through with it and keep a record. Like I am almost like a scientist. Actually, I will say I'm a scientist when it comes mm -hmm. to this type of things. Just like a scientist will go in the lab and they'll say, okay, I put, you know, three particles of H2O with three particles mm -hmm. of extra mm -hmm. carbon, and this is what I got, and this is what I didn't get. And they keep a record, and, they, and then they get to a point where they know, every time I do this, this is the result that I get, and this is the result that I want. The same thing with trusting yourself. Write it down. Go here are the ways I hear, try several things out. And here's the way I really hear myself better. And this is what happened. This is what I heard. And this is what happened when I followed through with this. And this is what doesn't, when I didn't follow through with this, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. You will have evidence. You will have evidence that somebody else didn't give you that you have, that you can trust in that says, when I hear this voice and when I trust this, good things happen. When mm -hmm. I don't trust it, they don't happen. Or I thought this is what the voice sounded like, but actually it doesn't sound like this. It sounds more like that. Um, and that's kind of, you kind of have to, you kind of have to do some trial and error, error um, with yourself. You have to be really give yourself permission to, to test things out. You don't have to test it out with really big stuff at the beginning, right. but something really small, uh, just like you wouldn't necessarily go into the gym and uh, it's your first day in the gym and you, you pick up 250 pound, you know, bench press, right. you're going to start very small. So start with the small stuff until you can really, you know, you feel your strength, you trust in yourself more and you'll begin to see, you know, the more you trust in yourself, this is just kind of a, a law of energy. The more you trust in your life and the more you trust in your being, the more your being and your life has to prove itself trustworthy to you. I love it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, so we've got feeling good about myself as is. We've got trusting yourself. What are the other two? 
Yeah. So uh, the third one, which is really the biggest one and is the most misunderstood is being yourself. Mm-hmm. So it is impossible and being yourself. Uh, so again, talking about the, the vibe, the multifaceted vibration of love, being yourself is key to putting yourself, uh, feeling freedom and feeling joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're suppressing ourselves, that's when we feel the most imprisoned. When we're trying to rearrange some aspect of ourselves or put hide some part of ourselves because we think it may be too ugly to be in the light, you never feel free. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just the expression of your identity, your personality, your sexuality, but being yourself also means uh, that you are really allowing the full expression of yourself in any given moment, which also includes your emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I feel angry right now, um, being myself is to allow myself to feel angry. Now, I might not want to stay angry. But to allow myself to feel it, because emotions are messengers. This is another thing. Your emotions are messengers. They're guides. Mm -hmm. And you don't get guidance from them, and you don't move on to the next uh, step of your evolution or to the next step of your chapter um, if you don't, if you, if you're constantly trying to run away from them, and, and this is something that really happens a lot in for those in the spiritual world, because there's so much messaging now yeah. that you have to feel positive all the time. Yes, right. and that is so the opposite. You have to feel positive the majority of the time. That's why you're here, but not 100% of the time. You came to feel everything, especially when you understand that your emotions are guidance. Right. So if I'm angry, yeah, if I'm angry and I don't, if I don't allow myself, if I'm I'm like, I shouldn't feel angry, I shouldn't feel angry, and I go all the way over and try to get, you know, try to get happy, I'm not going to get the understanding. Instead, if I would say, okay, I feel angry, what am I angry about? Mm -hmm. Because anger almost always comes up because there is something important to you, usually some boundary that you haven't really been aware of um, that's being crossed and you now need to change a bit so that you're aware that this is really important to you mm-hmm. and that you need to protect and honor that. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with sadness. Sadness is oftentimes, uh, 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 there's something that needs to shift in your life. You're not, you know, unless it's grief, like grief is different. Grief is the feeling of loss of love, mm-hmm. but sadness is usually, um, that you're living a life that's not yours to live. There's something about how you're living your life and approaching your life that's not yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's draining the joy from you and you're feeling sad. So again, being yourself, a large part of being yourself is allowing yourself, uh, again, if you don't allow yourself to feel yourself, you're not accepting yourself. Right. You're, try, you're judging and you're trying to suppress yourself. Mm-hmm. You cannot feel love energy when you're doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And number four? Yeah, number four is the biggest one that took me the longest to to really understand because we don't have any conversations about this in the West. Um, In the East, they have words for it, but in in other cultures, they have words for it, but we don't even have a word for it. And that's really taking good care of your life force energy. Mm-hmm. Um, in the East, in other cultures, some of them may call it chi or prana, but it's a very real thing. It's not some um, philosophical, philosophical or, or idea. It's actually very real. Your life force energy is literally the energy of your soul. It's literally what keeps you alive and keeps your body healthy. Your body was created to ha- our bodies were created to literally house the energy of life force. Yes. And so when that gets depleted and it gets drained, the body cannot function well because it does not have the energy within it that it needs to survive. Just like your car cannot run without gas, your body cannot run with life force. And this is what I learned about illness, especially when my intuitive gifts began to open. I began to literally see this in people in their energy fields was <clears throat> all illness really is is this an indicator? Just like the gaslight comes on on the car that says you are very low in gas. Mm-hmm. Illness is the indicator that comes on in the body that says the way you've been living your life, like the beliefs you've been holding and the, the way the patterns of behavior that you, you take to approach your life has drained you of life force energy and you are too low. 
Mm-hmm. And it is now time to stop draining and fill up and charge mm-hmm. up and to charge up for a prolonged amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but life force energy, you know, what that means, taking care of your life force, that's where boundaries come in. Yes. You know, if you don't have, if you're, if you're saying yes to things you really want to say no to, if you're not, um, if you have priorities and you're not making the space, uh, the energetic and the physical space in your life to do those priorities, you start to feel like you're betraying yourself. Yeah. Uh, and that drains your energy. If you are not uh, doing work, doing things that you're really passionate about, like passion literally charges life force in through you. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing work you love, if you're not in relationships, you know, even if it's not an intimate, just friendships that don't spark joy from you and make you feel uplifted, if you're not having fun and experience pleasure, your life is, that is literally a sign that you are draining yourself of life force energy. Mm-hmm. And so taking care of your life force energy really is, um, doing the things and approaching your life so that you feel more joy in your life and that you feel the energy of love in your life um, as much as possible and doing whatever you can to protect that so that you don't, it, that doesn't get depleted from you. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Pleasure, of course, is a topic that we discuss a lot on this mm-hmm. show. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I really, really appreciate you and everything that you have shared. This has been such a, an amazing conversation. You are such a beautiful soul and I'm so grateful to, um, to have had this exchange with you. Um, so we, we are at the end of our time. Unfortunately, I feel like you and I could probably, like I said, that before we hit record, we could wrap on this all day. <laughs> um, is there any, I mean, we've, you've covered so much, you've given our listeners so much. Um, is there any just one last thing that you want to leave them with today? Yeah. Um, loving yourself is literally the path to whatever level of well-being you desire for yourself in your life and wellness you desire for your body. Whatever it is in your body that's looking to heal, the energy of love, getting more of the vibration of love in your body will heal it. Um, And whatever you want to transform or manifest uh, in your life, getting more of the vibration of love, holding more of that will manifest it and it will transform it. This is not just a, again, philosophical conversation. This is literally the key to everything. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. So, um, again, thank you. You can go to jeromebrags.com to learn more about Jerome. You can find him all over social media. Um, to our listeners, I love you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the show today and every day that you tune in. Um, if you have not already found us um, in the Superpowers Are Real Facebook group on Facebook, come and play with us in there. There's a lot of good stuff happening. and. Now, there is no excuse at the, I always close out this show by saying, you go out into the world and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Jerome, for giving our listeners some really, really uh, clear guidance on what that means. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Have a fabulous day. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.